Kneel before me, He-Man. I am the mostest evil dude in all of Eternia. I say ha to you, Skeletor. I will totally stop your bad guy stuff. You can try it, but Castle Grayskull is mine, you big stupid. I'm not stupid, you're stupid. You know who's stupid? Your mom. You're... Jason, did you write this sketch? Well, I wanted to capture the amount of effort put into the Masters of the Universe movie in this opening sketch. Oh, I get it. So I had a four-year-old write it. Now where were we? Oh yeah, smell my butt, he spaz! everybody and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a crappy film from the 1980s that Steve's loves and give it a fresh review to see if it's just as terrible as we always think it was. <laughs> and Happy what birthday ter- to me. <laughs> and what terrible movie are we going to put up on the rack and beat until it's dead, Steve? <laughs> well, this time around, because it is the merry, merry month of May, which is both of our birthday months. Uh, it's it's my birthday episode first, and for my birthday episode, I have chosen one of my favorites from when I was seven years old. A little film called Masters of the Universe. Hooray! Actually, guys, we usually take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad, but since it's Steve's birthday, we're going to be doing something that we probably never would get to in our normal format, and that is Masters of the Universe. And I'm so happy to do it for Steve's birthday. Happy birthday, Steve. Oh, thank you, my friend. Another year closer to the grave. Yeah. Anyway, hey, Steve, Uh do you have any trivia for this cinematic masterpiece produced (laughs) by Canon Films? Ah, boy, those two things don't go together. No, they did this time. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I have some trivia. Um, okay. So this this uh, movie did not do so very well at the box office. Get out. You're stealing I... stuff from my section already? <sighs> it's your birthday. I'll it's, let you have it. It's, it. it's usually categorized as a box office bomb. And, mm. and one of the side effects of that was, of course, they never wound up making a sequel. No. Um, but they did have a sequel in development. And they did. They did, and they had a script for it, and they had started doing uh, costume designs and stuff I for it. I think it was everything. called what? Masters of the Universe Two, Robotron, or uh, something. Close. Well, close. It was called. It was called Cyborg. Oh, Cyborg. So it was. It was to be called Masters of the Universe Two, Cyborg, and once again, it would have mostly taken place on Earth. Um, <laughs> But uh, where where the Justice League cyborg falls in love with Claptrap? Yep. Or, uh, Tra- and, I think and, you're thinking of Trapjaw, but sure. Yeah. I don't know. Who, I don't care. He didn't have or 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 R at the end of his name, so I didn't bother to memorize it. Yeah. All the rest of them had like direct things like Stinkor and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, they, and I mean, there's also there's also Beast Man and Merman. So you know, your premise kind of falls apart there, but that's okay. Steve, I don't know if you know. I think you think that makes me look bad that I haven't memorized the action figures to Masters of the Universe. So I'm, I'm glad it doesn't hold up. I'm relieved that it doesn't hold up. Anyway, they were going to make it called it was gonna Masters of the Universe Two. It was going to be called yeah, it was going to be called Cyborg. But of course, because the uh, the movie did so poorly at the box office and because the the fortunes of of the production company of Canon at this point were definitely on on the downhill slide anyway 
mm-hmm. they they could not they they couldn't afford to renew their license with Mattel for the Masters of the Universe characters. Yeah, so they canceled their Masters of the Universe license, but they went ahead and made the movie anyway. They rewrote the script to take out mm-hmm. all of the connections to He-Man, and they just yeah. re- and in 1989 they just released a movie called Cyborg. Right. which starred Jean-Claude Van Damme, and it is today remembered as, and think about this, a relatively minor Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. So <laughs> it was so not a big deal. Well, um, way to go, Canon Films. But so if you've ever seen the movies, for those of you Van Damme completists out there who have seen Cyborg, uh, you may not know that it was originally conceived as a sequel to Masters of the Universe. Um, that was some pretty tasty trivia. Yeah, thank you. I have another one, too. This is actually a mm, cool one. Serve it up. This is a, this is a cool one for, for folks like, like you and I, Jason, who are, who are fans of a little franchise called called Star Trek. Oh yes, I enjoy Star Trek a great deal. As do I, as do I. So, if you watch Star Trek the Next Generation, especially in the first, you know, couple of seasons, you occasionally will see Lieutenant Worf uh, take to the holodeck to play his favorite program, which he calls a calisthenics program. I was wondering if you had this. Yeah, he calls he calls it his calisthenics program, but actually it is his Worf just killing a bunch of aliens in the holodeck. Yeah, and, and then masturbating while crying. Presumably, presumably. We never see that end part, but it's, usually after he kills all of the, you know, yeah. he's like, this is not how a warrior lives. It's, it's heavily implied, but we never see it. But right. one of the aliens that Worf fights is this dude with a skull head. And yeah. and I, I've even joked about him in, in the Star Trek videos I do for my YouTube channel. I've called him Skeletor, and that's actually literally true because that skullhead is the mask worn by Frank Langella as Skeletor yeah. in Masters of the Universe with a few Frank modifications. Frank needed they, the work. He was, like, desperate for something to yeah. do, and they say, well, why don't you come in and get killed by Worf? Or, you know, every time you need some money, just hook us up. We'll write it into the show. And, and he was... Like, Thank you so much. And he was like, sweet. Works work. Um, I need some sweet heroin money. Wow, that's a good Langella you got going there, bud. Thank you. That's a good Langella. Um, working on it for all of three and a half seconds. Perfect. <laughs> um, and finally, one last bit of trivia. In, in, in addition to a scrapped sequel that never happened and just became a completely unrelated movie, uh, this movie also had an alternate ending that they wrote but never actually filmed. And in that alternate ending, it would have seen, and I don't know if this would have happened at the end of the movie or if this would have been like a post-credit sequence or a post-credit scene different from the one we actually got, but there was mm-hmm. a scene in the script where uh, after they retake Castle Grayskull from Skeletor, Man-at-Arms is like, you know, looking around Castle Grayskull, I guess underneath it or something, and he finds uh, an ancient emblem and an ancient flag that has been there for like hundreds of years. And the emblem is the NASA symbol, and the flag is the American flag. So the ending would the ending would have been that somehow the suggestion that that uh, astronauts visited Eternia like basically like a Planet of the Apes ending where it's like you know like oh astronauts visited Eternia thousands of years ago but how is that possible you know like so some kind right. of weird like astronaut time travel ending um, never even shot that but that was in the original script. Good. <laughs> That's what this movie needed. Even more confusing stuff. Unless they're tying it to to He Man's mom, I ain't interested. Yeah, which well, and apparently that's something that would have 
uh, that was mentioned in one of the earlier drafts of the script that they completely threw out because it would have been too expensive. Because mm-hmm. uh, that, that yeah. too expensive is going to come up a lot. Oh, but if, if you if you if you're watching this, especially if you watch this movie as like a fan of the cartoon or you know like the story that they created for the uh, for the action figures before the cartoon, and you're like, why does this movie take place on Earth and there's almost no Eternia stuff in it? It's because it's just a lot cheaper <laughs> to have it's it happen it on Earth. Because it was produced by Canon. <laughs> they didn't have no money. No. <laughs> Canon made cheap, dirty, violent films for cheap, dirty, violent people. And also this action film for kids. That's right. Yes. Mmm, that went down a treat, Steve. Do you have any more trivia? That's that's all I got. God damn it, I'm still hungry. Oh, uh, well, we're going to talk about the movie eventually. We are? That's. I thought that was the idea of the show. I don't remember agreeing to that i guess i'll do my part that's what we always do you tell the people who made it and then we talk about the movie well i have some trivia in my section at least i would love to hear it okay well here we go it was directed by gary goddard gary hasn't directed anything else how weird do you want do you want to know how he got hired to direct a big budget action movie? <laughs> Please tell me. Well, apparently he produced a stage show for a theme park called The Adventures of Conan, a sword and sorcery spectacular. Cool. And they went, we want that guy with no experience to to direct this movie. Cool. So, so they basically, it's the equivalent of Warner Brothers hiring the guy who oversaw the Batman stunt show at Six Flags to direct the next mm-hmm. Batman movie. Don't say that real loud. Oh, shit. Warner Brothers may, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, great. Have hey. you seen that stunt show? It's great. I mean, I, I would rather watch that than five minutes of a Zack Snyder movie. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. at least there's that. The whole musical number, Where's My Parents by Batman, <laughs> laugh at everyone crying. Oh, <laughs> where's my parents? <laughs> Yes, let's make that happen, please. Okay, good. Um, Hey, guess what? I have more trivia for him. Cool. He was also charged on three sexual assault accusations with minors, along with your favorite director, Steve, Brian Singer. Oh, good. He was the other named defendant. Oh, good. So, so, So the director of my favorite Superman movie and the director of this nostalgic gem from my childhood... Are, yes. are both are both child molesters. Uh-huh. Sweet. I've been sitting on that all week. Oh, I that's, couldn't wait. Oh, that's cool. I know. I love destroying things for you. That's cool. That's cool. I'm so happy that, that, that this movie was directed by a horrible monster. Uh, great. I'm so sorry, Steve. I nah. couldn't. I couldn't. Hey. I could not. Hey, it's not, it's not your fault, and, and it's not He-Man's fault. No, it's not. If He-Man had known about it, he would have taken care of that. What would he have done? Well, he w- lectured them. He would have. He would have stopped Gary Goddard from doing what he was doing, and probably I turned him, turned him over to the Royal Guard or something, you know, so he could be, you know, put on trial and imprisoned for his crimes. And then he would have looked directly. Um, I've would- seen a lot of. Well, not a lot. I've seen enough He-Man cartoons to know that they would get away through a portal or something that they press on their That's belt. That's true. And then he would probably never be heard from again. Mm-hmm. He'd presumably... And he'd come back and, oh no, look, it's Molestar. <laughs> and they would have to fight him again. But but He-Man would do a public Put service... Put Orko down, Molestar. But He-Man would do a public service announcement at the end of the adventure where he would tell all the people watching, if somebody touches you in a way you don't like, be mm-hmm. sure to tell your parent or your teacher. You said it, He-Man. Thankfully, my kind has nothing underneath the cloaks that we wear. That's right, Orko. Good for you, Orko. (laughs) See you next time.
<laughs> kids are just sitting in front of their TVs like, what? Okay, like, even for He-Man, that was weird, right? I'm not the only mm-hmm. one? <laughs> All right. Produced by Yorm Globus and Manahem Manahem Golan. Two guys who just wanted to make movies, and they never made anything good or expensive. <laughs> they wanted to make movies, and they didn't care which movies. They owned the 80s. If you want, you could... Uh, almost every bad movie that came out in the 80s, they were made fast, dirty, and cheap, and they just they just knocked them out. They were a machine. Oh, God, yes. So this is a departure for them. Big time. And Mattel should have known better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Written by David O'Dell, and he was a writer on The Muppet Movie, uncredited, The Dark Crystal, and Supergirl. I bet his work on Supergirl got him this part, huh, yeah, Steve? Yeah, and that also should have been a little bit of a red flag. And we didn't pay attention to credits back in the day, That's right? true. So the guy who made... So the, so the man who uh, wrote... Um, created, wrote, and directed The Adventures of Conan, A Sword and Sorcery Spectacular at the frickin' Six Flags, was directing a script written by the man who wrote Supergirl. Yep. (sighs) And if just one executive had said it out loud in a meeting, (laughs) we wouldn't have this movie. If there had been a, okay, let me get this straight, at any point. Right, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Okay, based on Masters of the Universe by Mattel. There's actually a really good documentary about the development of He-Man that was on Netflix. I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but it goes into the origin and the design work mm-hmm. and, you know, yep. some of the early designs for these characters were super cool and they got dumbed down a lot by the time by the time they made it to the store shelves. But um go just type He-Man into Netflix. You might find it. Yeah, I, don't know. I think I think it's called by the power of Grayskull. Is it called yeah, by the power it's, of Yeah, Grayskull? it's it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really a big He-Man person. It was aimed for me, I mean, to a younger age group. Yeah. You know, I watched like maybe the first episode or two and was like, oh boy, this is not for me. This is for little kids. Yeah. And then I tearfully threw all of my He-Man action figures away. <laughs> no, I mean, the main reason is my younger brothers had He-Man until the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came along and just kicked everybody off the toy shelf. Pretty like, much. Get the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Starring Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, and you know him from Rocky V, Red Sonja, The Expendables, and he was recently in Aquaman. Frank Langella as Skeletor, and you know him from Dracula, Superman Returns. I mean, he was in it. I swear he was. Yes, he was Perry White. He didn't do anything. He was Perry White. He was excellent. Yeah, great. He was great. Don't watch it to see it. Don't, guys. Don't watch it to just see Frank Langella. He's been in other things. You can see Robot and Frank. That's a great movie. It's a great movie where he and a robot rob a guy. It's great. (laughs) But mostly Frank Langella made his name on stage. He was a stage actor. Uh, Courtney Cox is Julie Winston. Do I? She was in Friends. She's also in Misfits of Science and like a, a shit ton of TV and just she was all over the place. And that Springsteen video. And that Springsteen video. And this was like her first big budget movie. And she still managed to have a career. Good for her. Barry Livingston is Charlie. And you guys don't know him because I don't think anyone in our audience is old enough. I'm barely old enough to remember this. And I only know it through osmosis. He was Ernie. On My Three Sons, and he did a bunch of TV, and this is like one of the only movies he ever did. James Tolkien as Detective Hugh Lubick. 
And he's playing the same guy he has played since the 1970s <laughs> when we first saw him in Serpico. <laughs> yep. He's uh, Mr. Strickland from Back to the Future. That's right. Slacker. Christina Pickles. Because she refused to change her name, maybe? A, she came in. It's a family name. And they, we think you're great, Christina. We think we, we're going to be able to line you up with a lot of work. What's your name again? Christina Pickles. Never mind. Do you want to change that? No. But your name is is Pickles. No one will take you seriously. I don't care. Or they changed it to that. My name is Christina Ricci. Oh, we're, there's already a Christina Ricci working. We got to change it to something. We want something that, you know, sour, sweet, something. Oh, let me let me take a let me have some of my lunch. And he takes a bite out of a pickle, and he has an astonished look on his face. <laughs> Light comes in through the window. <laughs> or you do the, uh, you know, you do the BoJack Horseman joke where somebody says, you know, we need something different, like something that'll get people's attention, like Christina Pickles, obviously not that. And then you smash cut to starring Christina Pickles on the credits. Right, exactly. Yeah. Actually, Christina Pickles would fit right in. They have a Mr. Peanut Butter. Hey, why isn't there a Ms. Pickles? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Um, anyway, she plays the sorceress, and she people know her from St. Elsewhere, and she played Courtney Cox's mom on Friends. <gasps> Amazing. I know. Meg Foster is Eva Lynn, and the most notable thing I think you guys would know her from is They Live, because she did a shit ton of television, mm-hmm. and she has creepy gray eyes. Yep. She's not wearing contacts in the movie. Nope. In fact, they thought about putting contacts on her to cover up her, her you know, I think she has blue-gray eyes. And I'm like, no, it's cool. She comes with her own special effect. Exactly. Why would you ever put contact lenses on Meg Foster? Fire the person that just said that. Yeah. In fact, rape them and fire them. This is Hollywood. This is what we do. You'll never work in this town again, and also we're going to kill you. That's right. Chelsea Field is Tila, and she did a lot of TV as well. But now mostly she sleeps with Scott Bakula because they've been married forever. And can I just say, good for her. Oh, good. Yay. You're not jealous? I'm a little jealous. Just a tiny bit? A little bit. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's Scotty Bax. Come on. <laughs> John Cipher is man-at-arms, and he also did a lot of TV, and the most notable thing he did was uh, Hill Street Blues. Is anyone else noticing how many TV actors they put into this major blockbuster? <laughs> how funny. Mm. Just a coincidence, probably. Billy Barter is Gwildor. And if you guys don't know who Billy Barty is, I mean, he's, he, I mean, he literally has hundreds of credits to his name. But you guys would know him as the old wizard dude from Willow. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's all I'm doing, because he's been in everything. He's, he's been, been in a Dr. lot. Dr. Shrinker. He's, and yeah. When he's not in something, he's doing voice work. So all, all hail to Billy Barty, who died in, I think, 2000. I think 2000. I'm not sure when he died. He lived a long time. And no, he wasn't in The Wizard of Oz. No, he wasn't. He was pissed about that his whole life. <laughs> Goddamn <laughs> agent. Bastards at MGM shut me out. I refused to sleep with him, and this is what I got. Nothing. <laughs> I would have been one of the lollipop guild. That's what you get for having ethics. <laughs> Another shot, Mr. Barty? Of course, leave the bottle. (laughs) Oh, yes. That would have made me. (laughs) Fucking Hervé Villages. (laughs) You think I wanted to do Masters of the Universe? I should have known better. I could have got that part on Fantasy Island, but Hervé said, come over to my house and have something to drink. And I knew the drink tasted funny. I woke up three days later, and he had the part. (laughs) Screwed again. Peter Dinklish think he is. (laughs) Look at me, I'm an award-winning actor. I could have been an award-winning actor. (laughs) Bring someone over here so I can punch him out. (laughs) 
Robert Duncan McNeil as Kevin Corrigan. Mm -hmm. And you guys know him from what, Steve? From being uh, Tom Paris on Star Trek Voyager. That's right. What else? That's pretty much it. (laughs) He did a lot of TV. Yeah, yeah, he did. And uh, now he's the TV director. I think he... I don't know what show he was directing on and writing on. Chuck? Yes, I believe he was on. Yeah, he was a director on Chuck, Yeah. yeah. Anthony DeLonges as Blade... And he's also done a lot of TV as a stuntman. Like, a lot of TV as a stuntman. Tony Carroll is Beast Man. Nothing. There was nothing to click on. I can tell you this much. The fake monster teeth that they put in his mouth prevented him from being able to close it. And so while he was on set, all he did was drool. I bet that was fun. Yeah, that must have been great. How much did they pay him for that? (laughs) But look at the movie they got out of it. Mm -hmm. Come on. Pons Mar as Saurat. And uh, he's been in The Golden Child and The Blob remake. He played the theater manager in that. And he was also the voice of the Noid. <gasps> who, you were, oh, yeah. who you were counseled to avoid. So anyone that was born after the 90s listening to this podcast, the Noid was a horror creature created by Domino's Pizza. And you're supposed to avoid the Noid because the whole joke is is that when you when you order a pizza delivered and you get annoyed, get it? Yeah. You get it's annoyed. Fun. It's so wordplay. It's very clever wordplay. Right, right. It was a claymation um, stuff of nightmares. And I'm glad he got work voicing it, but I never want to see the Noid again. You know it's going to make a comeback. <laughs> Fuck, at this point it'll probably be a movie. <laughs> Noid, the motion picture. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We get a backstory. It'll be a prequel telling us his backstory. Yeah, exactly. Right. Robert Towers is Karg, and uh, he's done a lot of voiceover. He's appeared in a lot of Star Trek, mm-hmm. and he was in Benjamin Button. Peter Brooks as narrator, nothing. And yes, we have a narrator. For just a Don't little bit. Steve. For just a little bit. Just a little bit. Music by Bill Conti, and he's done film scores for The Karate Kid and The Right Stuff. And Rocky. And Rocky. And apparently somebody told him that this was a Star Wars movie, because that's what it sounds like. <laughs> that's, yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't trying, Steve. They paid him the how much they were going to pay him, and he went, okay, this is what you get for this. Here's some, <laughs> here's some songs I had in a drawer. Mm-hmm. Cinematography by Hanania. Boy, oh boy. Cinematography <laughs> by Han, Hanaya, Hanaya Bear. And uh, you'll know her work or his work. I think it's a him. It's a it's a I'm him. Pretty yeah. sure it's a him. It's a him from his groundbreaking work in Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo. Oh, hey, another I another canon classic. I got to say it, and it's not a joke. Another canon classic. Mm-hmm. Edited. I cannot believe I'm saying this. Edited by Anne V. Coates. Yes. And what else did she edit? I don't want to say it. Anne V. Coates. Also edited The Elephant Man, Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> yeah. And this movie. So, yeah. But there is one more shameful credit. At the age of 89, she edited Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, Anne. Someone handed this woman reels of smutty, gross, unsexy footage and told her. <laughs> Make it sexy. (laughs) And she went, okay, I'll do it. And then she died out of shame. (sighs) Why and how 
did they get and v coats to edit this movie that is you know there's got there must have been like somebody must have embezzled money from her and she needed the work something, something. i don't know She's a legend. Yeah, she's in Hollywood. yeah, she's one of the greatest editors to ever work in Hollywood. When, when her yeah. credit came up in the movie, I expected the entire movie to stop and just, you know, just pause on her name like, because she's the only classic <laughs> thing in the entire movie. We're so sorry. Production company Golan Globus. That that, that film company died in 1994. Hmm. I wonder what contributed to its death. Distributed by Canon <laughs> Films. Died in 1994. Weird. Huh. It looks like that there's a production that's on a murder spree for for <laughs> for film production companies. Hey 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 hey. Come on. It wasn't all this movie's fault. Superman. No, they had Superman Four came out this same year. Then Superman Four came out, <laughs> and he said, "Get into the grave." <laughs> Superman and He Man teamed up to kill Cannon. That's right. Distri- uh, release date August seventh, nineteen eighty-seven. That's a late summer release, oh. if you think about it. Yep. Running time one hundred six minutes. Budget twenty-two million, fifty-one million adjusted for inflation. Box office. 17 million. Whoops. 39 million when adjusted for inflation. When it opened, it opened as the biggest grossing film of that weekend, beating out dramas and a whole bunch of other stuff that was already been out in theaters. It was, came in number one. And then all the kids that went to go see it went back to school and said, you're not missing anything, guys. <laughs> Don't see it. Don't see it. When I wanted to, Mom said I could go. It was going to be my birthday movie. Don't. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. Wait for it to come out on v- VHS. Just watch the cartoon for free. Just watch the cartoon. It's fine. There's a girl He-Man now. Mom says I shouldn't watch it because it'll make me gay. <laughs> I don't care. I love her. I said, Mom, that's not a Barbie doll. That's an action figure. And then she cried and went into the bathroom. I heard a lighter flicking a couple of times. <laughs> One of the spoons were gone. Oh, my God. I don't know what that was oh about. Oh, my God. That got so dark. There's a dark. funny smell in the air. Oh, my God. She came out. She was really sleepy. She can't, but she poured a can of soup on the floor and then fell in it. And my baby brother starved to death. You just had to one-up me, didn't you? You just had to one-up me. You're the one who went straight to Mom's a heroin Don't addict because I asked for a She-Ra action figure. But I was being classy about it. You just blurred out, and then my baby brother died. I had it behind closed doors, man. She went in the bathroom. It was all implied, and then you had to get nasty with it. I was doing it classy. Okay, Steve, happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. Have, you, have your dead baby joke. Oh, it's fine. Uh, hey, it's fine. Hey, it's now, now it really <laughs> is my birthday. Yep, it is. <laughs> so, Steve, let's, let's me and you grab a bunch of weapons that we ob- obviously can't use. Yep. And we're never trained in music. Nope. Let's put on, well, let's make sure that the lead character wears the least amount of clothing in this entire movie. Yeah. And let's uh, let's just put all the baby oil on us, sure, and run into. I was gonna say to Eternia, but blink and you'll miss it. Run into the world of masters of the universe, Steve. Take it away. Well, first of all, um, we get the credits, yes, which are pretty standard. Just you know, title. Yeah, they're, they're flying in like Superman. They're flying credits. in like Superman, and yeah, and as I said already, the the score has a very like star warsy feel to it 
Um, yeah. It's like a big, epic, bombastic. You keep forgetting the narration. Well, has the, does the narration come before or after the credits? Yeah, it comes before, it comes before? because it's the lead up to the name of the movie. That's right. Because yeah, okay. So the the narrator, yeah, the the, the narrator the narrator tells us that apparently Castle Grayskull is located at the center of the universe. That's right. Um, Einstein would like a word. As we're panning into an unused background print from the from the cartoon. Uh, yeah. because boy that thing is shitty it's not the best and it does it really doesn't look good on a 4k tv i can tell you no, from it experience does not. <laughs> um but uh yeah so we see castle grayskull and the narrator is telling us that, you know castle grayskull it's like super cool and people have been fighting over it for god knows how long and you know whoever controls castle grayskull controls all the all the powers of the universe and uh the bad guys have such a boner for bad it bad guys want it constantly thinking about it yeah and whoever whoever controls castle grayskull will become the masters of the universe that's and right. Your, we launch into the credits. There's your title, and there's your credits, and uh, so, and of course, you know, we get like Dolph Lundgren and and uh, Frank Langella, and then we get a credit that you know, it, despite his long and distinguished career, you don't really see too often, which is starring Billy Barty. Hmm. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. Good for you, Billy. Um, he insisted on. Yeah, <laughs> I want a starring I'll do credit. Your fucking movie, but I gotta get a starring by credit. Sure, Billy, whatever. No, God damn it! Look what you wanted me to wear in this. I want a starring by credit. I want it in writing, and I want it on my desk now. <laughs> this ain't a mask. This is a helmet, okay? This is a helmet you got me wearing in there. I'm going to suffocate. God. I'm going to suffocate. I need all the barbiturates in the world to get through this movie. My lungs are the size of kidney beans. <laughs> I need oxygen. How am I supposed to breathe in this thing? <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, we anyway we so we we find ourselves on Eternia, and uh, Skeletor and his evil forces have actually taken control of Castle Grayskull. Oh, the movie's over. Oh no! Yay! And they've they've captured the sorceress, and she's being imprisoned behind this wait, force field. Wait, what? Who the sorceress? Who'd they captured the sor. Oh right, the sorceress lives in Castle Grayskull. Yeah. It said it in the opening. Yeah, and thing. she's you know she, all you really need to know about the sorceress in the context of this movie is that she's really important. Okay, but the, the opening made it imply that the bad guys wanted Castle Grayskull. Yes. And now we cut to the, what's happening, and the bad guys have Castle Grayskull, and they've already captured the sorceress. Yeah, but see, what has to happen now is, for some reason, they have to wait until Moonrise so that Skeletor can do a magic thing that will transfer all of the power of Castle Grayskull to him. So he's right. so he's got control of the castle, but he hasn't completely won yet. Did a whole movie take place before this? Yes, Appa- like apparently they, everyone was fighting the- to turn for Castle Grayskull, and we're now at like you know right before the climax of the film. Apparently, the movie they wanted to make but couldn't afford to has already happened. Yeah, that's what it sounds so like. So we're coming in at the end of that movie that they didn't have the yeah. budget for, and we're going to get this movie. Yeah. How many Darth Vader guys did he hire? A bunch, and also because he's got a bunch of Darth Vader guy. And guards. and also his his Skeletor's entrance is totally Darth Vader's entrance. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, from the way it's shot to the to the music, like everything is this this Skeletor is totally like a Darth Vader uh, wannabe. And he's I mean, in there with his side piece. Evil Lynn, yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, Skeletor comes in, and uh, he's 
you know, it looks a lot like Darth Vader, and uh, Evelyn is there, and he's like, okay, so we got the castle, just, you know, hey, got to hang out till moonrise so I can get the powers, but also, it would be kind of cool to kill He-Man, because he's my arch enemy and all, so... Also, I've got to stand the whole time, because this breastplate that they made for me out of metal um, is stabbing, it's stabbing yeah. my groin, and I'm, I've got a bad bruise... I'm, I'm never sitting down. <laughs> can I just get like something to lean on? Yeah, Any, can I get a cushion just or something? something? Anything? A salve? Can you magic this away, Skeletor? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Anyway, so, Skeletor is like, Empress. Yeah. There's nothing not Empress. Source, whatever. Sorceress. Well, and, and unfortunately, Frank Pitch Langella. in the tube. You can't do anything. <laughs> unfortunately, Frank Langella does not attempt the uh, the high pitched Skeletor voice did. from the cartoon. Well, I'm just doing it. One of the many tragedies of this film. <laughs> That they didn't show him some Alan Oppenheimer tapes and be like, Frank, if you could get anywhere close to that, that would be fantastic, buddy. Uh, but he's like, well, just because when he absorbs the power, it's going to kill the sorceress. Yeah, 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 exactly. Something. Sure, because she, yeah, she's not having a good time. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, He-Man, He-Man will stop you, right? Yeah, and Skeletor is like, whatever. No, he won't. Yes, He yeah, always he does, no, though. He every, won't. every single time he does. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Yep. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> so what the fuck just happened? Did they leave the the, the door open on on Castle Gary Skull and he just wandered in and sat down? Apparently, that's how Skeletor took. Yeah, like you know, the, the, the sorceress got out, got walked out that morning to get the paper, and she forgot to close the door on her way back in, and Skeletor just ran in. Right, but now he's got to make an announcement. Yeah, and he presses a button, and a great big hologram of his face appears over the Southern California desert. Yes. And he's like, "Sup, bitches? It's me, Skeletor. Guess what? I'm totally in Castle Grayskull. Everyone surrender me or die. Oh, and happy whatever. Also, it's Lieutenant Garvac's birthday. Congratulations on, on turning 28. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, lunch today is pork rinds. Pork rinds? <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Anyway, He-Man, suck a dick! <laughs> and he, he's like, out. So now we're out in the desert, and there's like a little f laser fight. Yeah, and we this is where we, we, we meet He-Man, uh, mm -hmm. who kicked, who, you know, kicks a little bit of ass. and uh, Who's He-Man? And Huh? Who's, who's he? Who's He-Man? Who's He-Man? Oh, he's Attorney's yeah. Greatest Warrior. Billy, Billy, who's He-Man? Uh, He-Man is a guy, and he, he's super strong, and, and then he can turn into a prince, and he's got a giant cat that's green named Battle Cat. Um, I don't see well, not in this movie, that. Billy. Sorry. <laughs> in this movie... Now, if you're a clueless prep, remember, not everyone that went to go see this knew anything about the toy, not that it would help much. Nah, it, it doesn't really help at all, but yeah. In, in, in the toys and in uh, the, the cartoon especially, He-Man is, as is established in the opening narration of the cartoon, the most powerful man in the universe, which even within the context of the show is a bit of an exaggeration. But is he the most powerful man in this universe, or is he just guy with no shirt shirt who shoots a gun a lot? That's in this movie. He's guy with no shirt who shoots a gun a lot. He's he's like a big burly guy who seems to you know he wants to help out when he can. That's this he. -Man. He's not a, like a nudist Superman. He's like super strong and and he seems like barely wears any clothes. He seems strong, but no stronger than any guy his size. How <laughs> with is his physique his, yeah, would be exactly like 
Like, he's just anyway, a big dude. They, they, yeah. they shoot some guards. There was a rule on this movie. You can't... He man, Mattel said, He-Man and no, no one can kill anybody. Right, the, good, the heroes can't kill people, right, yeah. And they said, okay, we'll make all the guards um, robots. Yeah. Is that ever demonstrated? Not really. Not at no. all. They have a kind of robot voice, but it could also be the voice inside the hel- their Darth Vader helmet. Right. Which, by the way, they couldn't see out of and had to perform stunts in. Um, but they kill, they kill, they kill. They kill some guards. They kill a whole bunch of guards. And he, uh, He-Man finds his, his friend's man-at-arms and Tila. Um, and- wait, wait they, which one, which is which? Because... Uh, Tila, Tila usually wears like a white bikini with gold trim. Right. Well, not in this. Like, not in this. She's got like red hair. No, no. In this, she's in this, like, she has brown hair, and you know, she has brown what? hair, and she's wearing kind of like a cat suit with some belts on and stuff. You know. Is her hair up? No, it's down. Okay. Well, what about Man at Arms? Because he's like really big and strong, and he's got that weird mushroom helmet. Well, he has a that he helmet wears all the time, and. Does he? Yeah, but it's he's not is really he huge. He's not really that big. He's just a normal guy. He does have a mustache, so they got that part right. Okay. The action figure didn't have no, a mustache. No, the action figure didn't have a mustache, but the cartoon man at arms did. Right, but they don't look like anything on the cartoon. They don't look anything like anything on the cartoon. Or the action figure. No, they don't look anything like anything. So if he had never said man at arms Tila in the script, they'd just be dude and dude's daughter? Yep. No way to tell. Isn't isn't Tila magic? Uh, no, she's she's the captain of the Royal Guard. She's not magic. Oh, no. and Man-at-Arms isn't the captain of the Royal Guard? Man-at-Arms is Man-at-Arms, duh. I thought Man-at-Arms was like like chief of the... He's the one that cried like a bitch when they stole his twin sister. He's the Man-at-Arms. What does that mean? It means he's like the head of the weapons. He's like the sergeant-at-arms. You know, he's like the guy who's in charge uh, of the guns and stuff. Whatever. Can we get to... Can we, they find a, a fucking freak in a net. Yeah, uh, Gwildor, who is uh, Gwildor. who is who is a, a master locksmith, and he has balls on his face. Yes, he does. Poor guy. His his face with the nose makes it look like some man stretching his legs way open wide, yeah, and he's a ginger. It's not a good look. It's awful. It's not a good look. And also, his mouth don't work. No, his, Half the time he's saying things, his mouth is not moving. His mouth don't move at all. But, you know, thanks to the magic of ADR, we can we can understand what he's saying. Well, um, I mean, I think the mouth was supposed to move, because it moves occasionally. It moves, it, it's, yeah, it's like a cheap Halloween mask. Like, right. it moves anyway, a little he, bit sometimes. He's like, quick, follow me, strange people yeah. I've never heard of. Yeah, and he takes him to his Yoda house. Yeah. And he's like, hey, by the way, I invented this thing called the Cosmic Key, and if you play the right notes on it, it can open a portal to any other point in the universe. Why'd you do that? Because I just had a free weekend. Yeah, okay. So why are they trying to get you, little odd ball sack weirdo? You- oh, because I accidentally gave the Cosmic Key to Skeletor. I didn't know. Why did you do that? I didn't know. So he has a Cosmic Key? Yeah, but don't worry, I have one too. You have the prototype. I have the prototype, and Skeletor doesn't know about it. Can you demonstrate to us that you can work this thing with any amount of competence? No. Okay, But, great. but I invented it. Uh-oh. Darth Vader guys are coming. Uh-oh. Let's escape through the back door. Yeah, because conveniently, Gwildor's house is also near some tunnels that run under Castle Grayskull. Oh, okay. So they can just run through the tunnels, and bam, they're in the castle. 
Oh, good. Kinda, and now they're in the castle. Kind of seems like maybe they should have rallied their forces, led some more people into the castle so that it wouldn't be more no. than just the three of them and they could fight Money. Skeletor. Oh, Money. that's right. You don't get any of that. It's just them. And they get there and uh, they see Skeletor torturing the, the sorceress. Yeah. He's having a good time. And he, he man's like, don't you touch my grandma. And uh, they get in a fight. Skeletor does nothing. He just kind of backs away. He's a supervising. Bit. He's 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 the boss. He's not. <laughs> yeah, hit him. <laughs> exactly. Do do the thing. Shoot him or something. And then Gwildor manages to open it to somewhere because he obviously does not know how this thing he invented works. Right. Well, because yeah. Well, what what it is is they because they're completely outnumbered. But they decided to you know go to Castle Grayskull anyway. So they're outnumbered and surrounded by Skeletor's forces. And He-Man or Man-at-Arms, one of them just says, Gwildor, use the key thing and just open a, open a, a gateway to anywhere. And he's like... To any place, because I'm getting my ass kicked. And he's like, okay. And he just, you know, sort of runs his hand over the keyboard. And he's like, there, go, we'll go there. And they're like, how do you know that's not like some random point in the oh. vacuum of space? And he's like, trust me. Now we know that's not a black hole. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, trust me, it's another planet. Oh, oh sure, okay. All right, and they jump through it. Yep. And then they fall and they land in uh, a forest. Yeah. And oh no, Gildor has lost the cosmic key. Uh, he dropped he it. He dropped it, yeah. And at that point, I would have taken the axe that I don't have in this movie, despite that it came in the packaging of the action figure, and I would have I would have cut him directly in half. And that <laughs> would be the end of Gildor in this movie. Because <laughs> he, the first thing he does is he blows snot all over him from his gill flaps. Didn't yeah. need to know he had those. Yeah, could have just wait. You know, he could have just gone behind a tree or something. You know, take care of that in your own private time, Gildor. But it's okay. They meet one of the inhabitants of the planet, yeah. and it's so hilariously funny that I fell on the floor and I said, "He's your best friend, Jason. You're doing this. Shut up. You're doing this for him." What? What? What did, who did they meet? They meet a cow, a cow which has somehow wandered far from the pasture. It's one of those forests. One of those cows. wild cows <laughs> in the forests of California that just roam the woods. All hunters know beware of yes, the forest the cow. The wild forest cow. You never know when you're going to run into one. Yep, it's just like a plains animal to yep. just be in to the just forest. Just randomly for whatever in the reason. woods. Yep. And it says mooing. Gwildor tries to talk to it. Yeah. Oh, Gwildor. How funny was that scene? So funny. But they're heading towards some lights, some something. Right. Some, well, because they, well, they what happens a, is they split up because they realize, okay, we need to find the cosmic key because that's the only way we're ever going to get right. out of here. So they split up. Right. And they're all going in different. But here's here's the funny thing. They immediately cut to a woman at a fast food restaurant. He man. No. <laughs> No setup. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so no setup. Nope. No setup. Nope. Right? No idea who these people are. You would think you would have a shot while they're in the forest, and it pans up from them, and it pans over the forest, and then you can see though there's a city, and you let the audience go. Oh, they're on yeah, Earth. Yeah. Nope, nothing. No. No. No establishing that they're on Earth at all. I mean, I guess I we guess could, we, I guess we assume we're supposed to think because of, uh, because of the cow. Because of the cow. We're like, oh, that, that's our tip. An, off. an Earth animal, I guess. <laughs> anyway, so we cut directly to the, and we meet what's her face? Julie. What, what is her name? Julie. Julie. Courtney Cox. 
And she's leaving because she killed her parents. Yeah, she her and they want her out of town. Her her parents are dead for no reason. Um, and welcome to the rest of the movie. Yes, <laughs> yes. So yeah, Julie's. This is her last day at work, and she's leaving town. She's going to New Jersey. I get presumably to attend college or something, and uh, or something. And she and of course before she goes, she's gonna half break up with her boyfriend. That's right, and her boyfriend's an asshole. Yeah. Well, he's played by Robert Duncan McNeil. Up. He has to be an asshole. The yeah. dude has a type. And he shows. He shows up and he's like, hey, babe, get in. And she's like, I'm leaving tomorrow. And he's like, whatever. Why don't you come and, oh, boy, this must be so fun for you, Julie. Why don't you come and listen to my shitty band rehearse? Yeah. We're, Won't that be great? We're playing, I guess, what, the prom or something? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. And, oh, yeah, look what I found. Yeah, they're playing the prom. Yeah. I found this weird thing. And I bet it it's not a key to travel um, across galaxies, nope. but is in fact a musical instrument of some sort. A cool makes, Japanese synthesizer. That's right. I'm going to take it to the music store. Yes, because the so, guy who runs the music store in our small town must know everything about musical instruments. And he says, what is this? And he says, oh, it's Japanese. And he says, no, it's not. And then the guy says, no, it's... <sighs> Anyway, there's a scene where they play, where he plays it. He pl- he plays it, right? Right. And she's there, and it kind of twirls around and opens up, and it makes a little ball of like light. Like a little light show, yeah. And at that, and at that point, I would have dropped it and backed away because it's probably radioactive. Yeah, it's yeah. What it does is not normal. But they're like, "What a cool light show!" And that's what they say to doofus at the music store. Nothing happens at the... What happens at the music store? What information do we get at the music store that helps us enjoy the Nothing. movie? We, Nothing. We just we learn that the music store guy doesn't know what it is, basically. <laughs> Meanwhile... <laughs> oh, thank God we learned that. Gwildor steals food from a place. Yeah, from the place where Julie works. Yeah. yeah. He steals like a bucket and, of... One of, the, one of those combination fried chicken and ribs meals. That's right. That are so popular. The chicken is covered in sauce. And he's eating it. I didn't need to see that. I didn't need to see him try to cram food into that gaping orifice that he calls a mouth, that slash and a <laughs> testicle that he calls a fucking goddamn mouth. What's the joke there? Oh well, they say well something okay. To so him. Man at Arms is like fuck yeah, and he grabs like a ch- like a chicken leg and is going to town on it. And Tila finds them, and she's like, oh cool food, and she's eating something, and and she's she says, oh this is really good. I wonder why they put the food on these white sticks. And Man at Arms says, oh that's not a stick, that's a rib bone. And Tila and uh. Tila says, oh so this used to be an animal. What a bunch of barbarians on this planet. And Man-at-Arms, who is her father, and yes. who came from the exact same planet she did, has yes. no problem with this at all. He, he's nope. like going to town on that chicken leg, and he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so apparently Tila is... Where's the joke? I'm still looking for it. It's... I did. Yeah, Tila's a vegetarian? I, I, I guess. Know. She doesn't even know that what bones no, are. No, apparently not. She doesn't know what bones she's, she's She's the Imperial Guard. She's like... She's probably cut people open. But she doesn't recognize a bone when she sees one. And then Gwildor spits it out, and he's like, ugh, or something. Because I guess Gwildor is a vegetarian, too? I don't 
care? Where is He-Man? He's somewhere, but eventually he he uh, <laughs> eventually they find each other, and He-Man's like, "No thanks, don't please, thank you for not even offering me any food. That's okay. That's disgusting. I, I, I mean, look, look, look at me. I look at how many calories I have to eat a day. But please, don't offer me any food at all. Thank you. That's fine. <laughs> um." Meanwhile, Skeletor is like, uh-oh, he, He-Man he has another one of those keys, so I'm going to send everyone to go get yeah. it, because he can't have the same thing I have. No, that's not cool. I, I'm the only one. I'm the cool one. He's he's a doofus whose butt smells. Say it. <laughs> he's a, he's he's a, a doofus, doofus whose butt smells? That's right. Boy, I agree with you, brother. <laughs> anyway, everybody's going. Go get it. Go to where they went. Evelyn... You said get some guys together. Get the get guys that no one's heard of ever. <laughs> so yeah, so she she gets a team of mercenaries together, and the team of mercenaries is Beast Man and three other guys that heard of him, and three other guys that nobody's ever heard of. And the B team, and the Beast Man and the B team. <laughs> and it's like Blade. Beast Man doesn't get a single line of no, dialogue. No, Beast Man says nothing. Yeah, it's Blade, a uh, Sorod, who is Made the snake-looking up. guy made up and and karg who is apparently their leader and he's like a lizard guy kind of with tina turner yes hair. boy howdy oh boy um yeah and evelyn's like they won't fail and she sends them they go through okay so all right so julie and her dipstick boyfriend meet their band meets up at the prom and uh they're gonna be playing and the bad guys triangulate onto the signal that the key gives right. off. And I can't remember what happens at that point. <laughs> uh, well, they, 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 they attack, right? But neither one of them blo- have the key when they attack, right? Well, no, because this is when, uh, by the time that they get there, that's when Kevin has already left with the key to go show it to Charlie at the music store. Oh, that's store. right. So when when the he, when the when the Skeletor crew gets there, they basically blow up the school, but and uh, try to capture Julie. Yeah, and Julie runs runs away, mm-hmm. and that's when He Man shows up, and he's like, "Hey, is everything okay?" And she's like, "I'm being chased by monsters, and why are you dressed like that? And who are you? <laughs> who are you? Why? Why?" And, and he's like, "Just shut up, sit down, and shut up. I'll take care of it." And He Man fights the bad guys. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> Kinda. He shoots a gun. Swings the Blade sword around. says, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, um, which is uh, makes no sense unless he's really been looking forward to killing He-Man. Um, what does make sense is something that was left out of the script in which He-Man is the one that cut out his eye because he's got right. an eye patch. But it's nice that they left in that line with absolutely no hey, you explanation. you want to do something scary, Steve? Sure. Sword fight with someone who has no depth perception. Oh, I don't want to do that. I changed my mind. You kill him really quick. <laughs> <laughs> not too many one-eyed swordsmen. Nope. At, at, at least not for very long. And and Blade is the guy who taught Dolph Lundgren how to fight in this god awful stupid fight where I yeah. it was just jeez Louise. Where anyway. it's where, where where it's obvious that He Man's sword is way too big. Yes. And you know even a big dude like Dolph Lundgren is having trouble you know uh, wielding it. And it's like uh, they're fighting underwater. It's so slow. yeah. Yeah. But uh oh, um, Sawrod or whatever his name is. Um, yeah. Grabs Julie. She screams, and then Man at Arms and Tila show up, and uh, she carefully runs down the ramp because she's in in heels, 
and then they shoot at the guys and they run away. Yeah, get out of there, you bad, bad men. And they run away and they go back to Castle Grayskull. And Julie's like, okay, um, who are you? What's going on? What's happening? And they tell her, right? Yeah. And she's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Then what happens? Not a lot of skepticism from the human characters in this movie. <laughs> oh, and then, this is when, and then we, we um, I think, yeah, Gwildor shows up. And he has somehow uh, not only stolen a car, but completely retrofitted it to run on a futuristic neutrino engine. He's been gone for like half an hour. <laughs> um, and he is ama- well, he's, sure he's basically... He stole some nuclear material out of the sure. school or he, kindergarten he, or wherever. He beat, the, he beat the shit out of Doc Brown, you know, <laughs> took his... Took took some parts off of the DeLorean, put them onto this thing. Um, yeah, and so so Gwildor, so so Gwildor shows up with this like magic future car, and He Man's yeah. like, "Cool, let's go!" And they all pile in the car and leave. Meanwhile, we cut back to the high school that's been like burned down after after the bad guys attack right. it, and and this is uh, Kevin shows up because he thinks the Julie's still there, and this is where we meet Detective Lubick, who is played by James Tolkien, who is the you know the principal from Back to the Future. Who did? Who, like, what, what cartoon character is he in He Man? Oh, oh, there is no Detective Lubick. There's no in, Detective in, Lubick. No, Lubick there is no Detective figure. Lubick action figure. No. Are you sure. Maybe there is based on this movie, <laughs> <laughs> but like there ain't. There wasn't one before. Come on, man! I want one. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so he's like, I know you did it based on nothing yeah he's like did you burn down the school random guy who showed up no I'm a detective and he's not only a detective he's a very helpful detective because when kevin says hey i just came here to look for my girlfriend lubick's response almost immediately is okay let's go find her and he still acts like really pissed off at kevin but also he's like here i the lead detective on the scene of this probable arson at because a the high, high school, school just bro burned down to yeah, the ground i'm gonna i'm gonna leave this investigation of whoever burned down the high school mm-hmm. and i'm gonna help you random guy find your girlfriend let's go yay so that's what happens and then the bad guys go back to castle grayskull and they're like we were outnumbered and it was awful and they beat us up and they made us feel bad and they made fun of our dicks and we just we're sorry skeletor and skeletor ain't buying that right no he's like you losers he's like all right here's what's gonna happen somehow Um, evil lynn brings up video yeah, what she she shows like some kind of say, video or sensor footage or something of, of what actually happened, and it's like, oh, you weren't outnumbered. It was just He Man whipping all your asses, and mm-hmm. uh, so so then uh, Skeletor says, okay, new plan, Evelyn, you're gonna lead the next team, and everybody's gonna go, uh-huh. and um, you're gonna get my goddamn cosmic Except key. Except that guy, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he kills one of them. He kills the that's right reptile yes. dude. Not you. <laughs> and Beast Beastman falls at his feet, kind of begging for forgiveness, right? Yeah. And now Evelyn's yeah. going, and you're like, oh god. She's like, great. I was hoping you'd send me. Meanwhile, on Earth, I don't know. I watched this twice, Steve. I still don't know what happens. Uh, Something. They go. Well, uh, Kevin and Lubick go to Julie's house, and nobody's there because her parents are dead, and it's all packed up because she's moving. That's right. But they're like, well, maybe she went back to her house, and she's not there. But while they're there, uh, Evelyn and and the, the the bad guys show up, 
and they put like a, a you know a, a truth collar on Kevin. Right. And they and they say, "Hey, where is our key?" And he's like, "What?" And she's <laughs> like, "Oh God!" And she basically shows him a picture. She's like, "Where's this thing?" And he's and, like, oh. "Oh." He's like, "The detective has it. He's gone back to the music store with it." And they're like, "Cool, thanks, bye." And they and leave. so so they leave. And then like literally right after they leave, He Man shows up with Julie. And they take the collar off of him, and he's like, I did a bad God. thing. I told the bad guys where the cosmic key was. I don't even know who the bad guys are. I don't know who you are. I only recognize Julie. <laughs> Julie's like, just go with it, man. We'll explain on the way or something. So then they, I don't know. They get the, they, how do they get the key back? Um, How do they get the key back? Uh-huh. <laughs> This is your favorite movie, dude, not mine. It's they not get... my favorite movie, but no, they um <laughs> No, they, they, they fight they they fight at the music store. Oh, that's right. There's a big shootout at the music they store. They fight at the music store and they get the key back, but then Evil Lynn pretends to be Julie's mom. Oh god. And because Julie's an idiot Yeah, because Julie is an idiot. She goes out and she's like, I mean, "Mom, you cut not- her some slack. She's been through a lot. Today, she's been through a lot, tonight. but at the same time, like her mom appears in like this this ethereal fog at the end of a deserted alley. Yeah, and she's like, "Yes, as long as you have no specific questions, I I'm alive." The plane crash or something, and uh, Julie brings her the key and gives it to her. And, and she then, immediately reveals herself to be evil in, and yeah, Julie's like, "Oh and Courtney shit!" Courtney Clock has an embarrassing reaction to that. Yeah, where she screams and grabs at her face. Well, it's early in her career, you know. Whatever. She was still learning the craft. Anyway, so they're fighting at the music store, but once Evelyn gets the key, she's like, "What? Let's leave." Well, no, because then, then Skeletor shows up, right? At some point, Skeletor shows up on the slowest moving hover throne you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and there's like flying guys on like flying discs, on just basically frisbees, and more guards, right? Yeah, yeah, like a whole bunch of people come through the portal, and Skeletor is like the last one through, and he's like, let's go, where's my key? Come on, where's he, man? Let's get this over point, with. At some point, the kids and Gwildor talk about how the key works, which makes no sense. Right. The universe is music, Kevin. Yes, the music. <laughs> sure. Okay. Anyway, there's a big fight. Well, okay, let me change that. There's a fight. There's a fight. He-Man steals one of the hoverboard things and goes for a little <laughs> oh ride. Oh, my God, and it's the most ridiculous special effect oh, I have boy. ever seen. It literally looks like they glued one of the action figures. It does. On it's, t- yeah. The only appearance of an of a He-Man action figure is during this sequence when we see the long <laughs> shots of of clearly a plastic He-Man mm-hmm. ri- riding one of these hover things around. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's fighting more flying guys, and then Skeletor tells one of the flying guys bring him to be. And um, meanwhile, all the other people who have got the key back somehow run up to a roof, and then Skeletor hovers up to the roof. And he's and, like, "Gotcha!" And then, and then He Man crashes onto the roof. Yeah. And he's like, "Maha!" I'm, and he zaps the prototype, and he lightnings Julie's leg. Yeah, yeah, and that's bad. And He Man says, "Fine, because Skeletor's like, I want you to surrender. I'll kill everybody." And he's like, "Fine," and he surrenders. And then they incredibly slowly. I mean. 
there are jazzy scooters whipping past this chair. Oh yeah. It goes back oh, yeah. into back into the portal and like Man in Arms and Teal are like, fuck, we're stuck here. And Gwildor says, I can't fix it, but then he does fix it. He's like, and on second thought, I can fix it pretty easily. I hope so. You put like a fucking fusion drive into this pink I Cadillac. <laughs> I know. He, in he half an hour, you He fucking... completely rebuilt a car to run on neutrinos in 20 right. minutes. But he's like, I can't fix this thing. <laughs> and so they, they're going to fix it and go back. They're going to yeah. fix it because Julie's leg... What Tila says is the poison is working its way into her system. The only person that can save her is the sorceress. Right. And I was like, so Skeletor has poison lightning powers? And and no and there's no cure for it? How like, did he inject all? poison with purple lightning? I don't understand. <laughs> That's his thing, man. <sighs> Meanwhile, back at Castle Grayskull, Skeletor had to have a discussion like this. All right, well, here's what I want. I want you to take off all of all of his armor. I want you to oil him up real good. Oh, yeah. And then I want you to stretch him out in front of me, in front of the... Th- Where, in the dungeon? No, in front of the throne. I'm not in going the throne room, baby. Right in front of the big eye. And then I want you to whip him right in front of me. <laughs> yeah, like I want watch. <laughs> and I'm just going to sit there and watch you do it. <laughs> so while that's happening... Oh, and 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 the sorceress looks real bad now. She's she's starting to look like, she's starting to look like one of the Maitlands when when they're being exercised in uh, Beetlejuice, and so <laughs> yes, oh yes, totally. Movie that came out around this time. Uh, anyway, uh, what happens? They work the key, and then they all get well. Okay, so they're sitting like in a park or something, and yeah. It, sends them through a bubble rather than through a portal which is yeah. what we've seen all the, the way the, it's like always a, until this time and then the cosmic key works completely differently this one time so that they can not only arrive on Eternia themselves but also a big chunk of the set that they were on can appear in <laughs> Castle Grayskull so it's and like some, half the car and some of the wall and everyone's shooting their laser guns and and Strickland I don't care what his name is the detective <laughs> guy gets a shotgun and apparently the shotgun is just as effective as their laser weapons apparently in fact more so because he starts killing people left and right he's in, yeah in the main, uh, Mattel didn't say that he couldn't kill nobody right anyway <laughs> so Skeletor put He-Man's sword in like this lock device next to his throne for some reason yeah and just cause yeah and he-man breaks breaks free and um then he knocks over a statue for no apparent reason at all didn't kill anybody wasn't nope. anywhere near skeletor but he just kind of knocked uh, knocked it over just to shake things up a little everybody's shooting at everything else and then he-man runs up pulls his sword out of the lock device and does what steve he holds the he held it aloft over his head and said i have the power what, what? power why what? how I, I don't why know why did that happen so so well here's the real reason it happened okay because he man says that in the cartoon right but there's nothing when he says that in the cartoon he turns into he turns from adam into he man yes um, in the movie, there hasn't even been established that there's anything special about his sword. Or him. It, it's just a sword. Yeah, and, he, and yeah, or him, yeah. So he holds up the sword, and he's like, I have the power. And it's like, oh, that's the thing He-Man says. But in the context of this movie, it means absolutely nothing. 
great. He just does it because I guess he just he was you know he was feeling he was he was feeling good about himself. I mean, he you know he he, he freed himself from from Skeletor's chains and he just he just pushed over a pillar, man, a really right. big pillar. But, and then he fights Pat. He he picks up the sword. And he's feeling good about himself. We forgot it that Skeletor got the power of Grayskull and it turned him into a like a solid gold dancer with a yeah, big headdress. And a mask. And shouldn't the sorcerers be dead now? You would think. That seemed like that was the deal. But that didn't happen. No, she's, and, she's, she's old, but she's still alive. And now He-Man and Skeletor are going to fight. And Skeletor says, let this be our final battle. And I was like, boy, it would be neat if there were previous battles. So that line meant something? Because <laughs> as near as I can tell... This is the first battle we've ever witnessed between these two? First battle, last battle, what's the difference? Anyway, He-Man swings the sword and strikes Skeletor's staff, and we have a light change where yes, the whole throne room goes dark. We want to know why, Steve? You want to know why? Because they had to shoot this uh, much later in the production Cannon and everybody said, else had gone home. <laughs> I want you to stop at this point. I want you to stop at this fight. We're closing down the studio. Two months later... They come back to shoot it, and they couldn't light the fight because of money. They and had they no also money. couldn't rebuild all of the set because of money. money. <laughs> Not that we're missing much of this crappy choreography. Anyway, no, so. It's basically just off longer and swinging the sword around. Yeah, swinging yeah. the sword around. And then, oh no, he breaks Skeletor's staff. And he loses his sorceress powers. Yep. Why? I Who don't knows? know. I was hoping you'd be able to tell they, me why. They, they never established that there was anything special about Skeletor's staff either. No. Or that it was connected to his power in any way For whatsoever. For the most part. And he never used his staff to do anything. He always pointed his fingers. Yeah. Or when he became like uh, gold Skeletor, he would shoot beams out of his eyes. That's right. Yeah. The, the, the staff never did anything. But it's oh, broken. No. So now it's now Now, now he's back gone. to normal Skeletor. Yeah. And then um, He-Man moves kind of close to him, and he (laughs) jumps off, and Skeletor (laughs) jumps off of one of the things into a big pit. Oh, that's the end of Skeletor. He's screaming even though his mouth isn't open. Yeah. And and then it's like, yay, we won. Right? Yep, apparently all of Skeletor's allies that were still there just said, oh, that's it, everybody, and just left. They just... (laughs) Dropped their swords and just walked off. Because I think Evil Lin and Sor- Sauron, Sorid, whatever his name was, Krog, 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 Krag? Krag, Krog. Well, no, Krog was the guy that Skeletor killed. They sn- no, Krag was not the one. He he killed Sorid or whatever okay, it was. Okay, well, whatever. Who cares? He anyway, killed one of them. Yeah, anyway, Evil Lin gets Evil away. Lin, Evil Lin and him beat Cheeks as they escape. And now we cut to... What could be days to months later. Who knows? Yeah, who cares? Everyone's but, wearing nice costumes. Yeah. Julie has been healed. Yeah. Uh, Strickland is apparently married to the sorceress now. No, not to the sorceress. Just random babe with no just lines. Just random babes, yeah. And he's like, why would I want to leave? I'm getting hot and cold sex, and... Uh, I get to kill guys with my boomstick. It's great. <laughs> you saw what my life was like back on Earth. Why do I want to go back to that? I don't care exactly. who burned down that high Weirdos. school. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Julie and, and uh, Julie has a, a end of 
of the Wizard of Oz moment where she has yes. to say goodbye to everybody one at a time. Yes. And then... Um, don't forget He-Man has his shiny gold armor now. I don't care how shiny his armor is. <laughs> I just want to be done. Please let me be done. We're almost there, man. Gildor opens a portal and as she's, and he says, just out of nowhere, oh, yep. by the way, I can send you to any time. At yep. any place. Interesting. Never mentioned before. Never and mentioned Julie's before. And Julie's like, duh, the thing that I've been mentioning this entire time to random strangers about my parents being dead, I'm going to forget about it conveniently for this moment. She said that too. And she, as they're going through the portal, she turns around and she says, Gwildor. And then she, that's it, right? Yep. And she wakes up in bed because we're still not done copying the Wizard of Oz. Exactly. And she comes down the stairs and her dad's reading a newspaper. He's alive. Oh my god. I know I bet I know what happened. She has a manic episode. <laughs> she yes, yeah, she says, Mom, Dad, I love you so much. Don't get on that plane. And they're like, What are you talking about? And then she grabs, I guess, their car keys to stop them from leaving right. and right. races out the door. Right, and then Skeletor appears and kills both of them, and he's like, no one can escape fate! <laughs> Psych! <laughs> she runs out the door, and she runs into her boyfriend, and he's like, I remember everything. It really happened. And, oh, yeah, they gave her some jewelry. Yeah, a little and blue she, marble thing. Yeah, that's glowing. And we yeah. go into the blue marble, and we can see Castle Grayskull, and then we see He-Man holding his sword up. And what does he say? Once again, he says... I have the power. And credits. That's the end, or is it? That's right. Because so Marvel if you didn't sat invent through the end of the credits. Post credits <laughs> scene, did they, Steve? Ah, oh, boy. They were really hoping this movie would make money. They're showing some water. Yep. We didn't see Skeletor fall in water, but what the fuck? It was really high. There was water at the bottom, you know? Mm hmm. And his head pops up, and what does he say? He says, I'll be back. And then and freeze he frame. never did. He never did. Nope. He, Thank he, God. he never be back. Steve? Yes, yes, my friend. Explain yourself. My dear, dear friend. Why is it that every time we celebrate your birthday, I have to go through something like this? <laughs> is my pain your gift? It's just different sensibilities, I think. Steve, it was Hulk. Last year was Superman Returns. And now it's Masters of the Universe. Why, Steve? Why? Well, two, well I mean, two of those are really good movies. <laughs> oh, oh. So here's the thing. Here's okay, the thing, right? here's I'll, I'll, the thing. I'll try to explain. I'm not done hurting Jason yet. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> it's what you said. I, I enjoy hurting you. <laughs> that's that's it. That's I don't have any any deep any deeper explanation. <laughs> Go for it, Steve. Go I for don't it. have any deeper explanation than that. No, you um, don't. It's okay. Okay. No, it's so. Here's here. Seriously though, when when I was um, this movie came out when I was seven, and I was a huge He-Man fan, and I saw this movie in the theater. Um, so when I was seven years old, I sat in a theater and watched this movie, and it blew my mind. <laughs> Yesterday, when I was 40 years old... I'm so sorry, I, Steve. I sat in my living room, and I watched this movie again, 
and it blew. <laughs> um, it's not, I don't think it's that bad, but it's bad. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to try to argue that. You know, actually, if you look at it from a certain perspective, it's really good. No, it's a bad movie. Mm-hmm. I, I think the reason I liked it so much at age seven was that, first of all, I was seven. And I hadn't seen that many movies, so I had a very limited set of criteria by which to True. judge. And, and you know, I was a massive fan of He-Man. I had the action figures. I uh, watched the cartoon. The cartoon, it wasn't a Saturday morning cartoon. It was a weekday afternoon cartoon. So He-Man That's was right. on every day. So coming home from school to sit in front of the TV in the living room, and hear that descending arpeggio that accompanies the filmation logo. Like, yeah, that was like, I lived for that moment. When I was like five and six years old, like that was, I wanted to get home from school so I could see that, right? Um, So seeing a live action He-Man movie, like that was just the coolest thing ever. Um, And I still think, as I thought then, that Dolph Lundgren makes a pretty good He-Man. Part of that is that it's not that complex of a character. Um, he's blonde. He's yes. big. He's big and muscular and strong. Yes. He has he has a sword, which admittedly he evidently has some trouble handling. Um, yes. You know he's nice, but uh-huh. not but not maybe maybe not the deepest guy in the world. No. <laughs> and uh, and and yes, okay. This is relatively early in Lundgren's career. Yes, he was obviously cast for his look and for the little bit of name value he had after Rocky IV. Yes, at times he sounds like Sylvester Stallone was his voice coach. But overall, <laughs> overall he does fine. He's, not, he's certainly not any worse than anybody else. Um, all of the actors do fine. Frank Langella makes a very good Skeletor. If the script were better and this was actually a good movie, he could easily have been a great Skeletor. Um, the problem with the movie isn't the actors. The problem with the movie is the writing and the direction. I get that they had a relatively small budget to work with. I don't hold that against them. Uh, setting most of the movie on Earth makes sense from that perspective. And in fact... And here's something a lot of my fellow He-Man nerds who don't like this movie either don't agree with or just don't want to admit. The movie is much closer to the cartoon in spirit than a lot of us give it credit for. Uh, Yes, it ignores a lot of the elements of the cartoon and the toy line that really made them fun and that a lot of us He-Man fans enjoy. Like, you know, we talked about some of it during our synopsis. There's no Prince Adam. There's no Battle Cat. Snake Mountain is mentioned, but is never seen, um, except for Man-at-Arms and Tila. We don't see any of He-Man's allies. There's no Ram Man or Stratos or Manny Faces or any of those guys, um, except for Beast Man and Evil Inn. We don't see any of Skeletor's familiar hench people, you know, um, so, you know, there are a lot of differences. And yet the aesthetic of the movie, at least in the Eternia sequences, with its mixture of futuristic technology and magic and sort of like a combination of like a fairy tale feel, but also pulp sci-fi. Like that's all very similar to the cartoon um, and to the mini comics that came with the action figures and sort of first established the story of, of He-Man and Skeletor and Castle Grayskull. Like a lot of that is it's it's closer in spirit to the source material than people tend to, to give it credit for. Um, the problem is 
is that after the beginning, the, the sort of the first Eternia sequence where they end up on Earth, which I think is not, it's not all that good, but at least has kind of a goofy vibe to it. And it's kind of promising. It's like, okay, you know, if it gets better from here, this might not be so bad. It's not terrible. It has kind of a, uh, a there's a silliness to it that I could, you know, embrace if, if they carried that through. But the problem is once they get to Earth, the plot slows down to a crawl and things just get really really boring um the earth-based stuff which is pretty much the entire movie drags so badly um the action sequences are basic and repetitive and not very well choreographed or shot or staged or anything the the characters are all flat the only reason julie's parents are dead is so they can come back at the end like that's literally it she doesn't learn any kind of lesson or experience some sort of growth as a result of their death nothing um her relationship with kevin doesn't change all that much like at first she's gonna leave town and break up with him but then they have an adventure together and she decides not to i guess like that's that's her character arc. No, um, I don't she goes think back Ke- in time before her parents die. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think Kevin even ever finds out that she planned to dump him. I don't think <laughs> like Kevin it. ever finds that out, nor does he know that he's back in time. No, <laughs> we. I don't know what the fuck Kevin thinks is going on. Like fuck Kevin's Kevin, just, I don't Kevin's care. just kind of there. Um, Here's something so yeah. that you probably never considered. What? She's got to go through it again. <laughs> She's stuck in a fucking time loop, Steve. I, I've got I've got Steve. I've seriously got to dump Kevin. The cosmic key is in their future. It's gonna come back. She's gonna have to relive all of the stuff again. Go get shot. Go to Eternia, and then get sent back in time. She's now in hell. Her yeah, sure. Her parents are alive, but she's in a loop. She's forever in a loop, Steve. She's true. She, this movie is like Groundhog Day to her. Yeah, it is. That's not fun. <laughs> no, it that's isn't. Not, that's not fun at all. Um, but yeah, and you know, a lot of the stuff that we've already talked about, like just uh, stuff happens in the movie that is presented as though it's important, but we have no idea why it's important. Like Skeletor getting the gold, the shiny gold armor. Why does that happen? Who knows? I have no idea. It's filled with universe juice. Why, yeah. Why? Why does it disappear when He Man breaks his staff? Who knows? Because he it peed makes... out all this universe <laughs> juice when his staff got broken. I knew I shouldn't have kept my universe juice in the staff. What damn was it, I thinking? Diapers. God damn it! Um, you know, there's no re- <laughs> there's no reason for He Man to yell, "I have the power!" when he picks up the sword. In nope. fact, in that context. It would have made at least a modicum more sense if he would have said, by the power of Grayskull. Right. Which is something he never says in the movie. Instead, nope. he says, I have the power twice. Yes. Okay. He does? That was a, that was a choice. Does he have that power? I don't, I don't know. Because for the most part, he's just a dude. He's just a strong but otherwise normal dude. They allude to the fact that when he says to Skeletor, no, Skeletor, it's always between you and me. Well, I wish I could have had that established better. Yeah, it's it's like, I guess they've been fighting for a while. Who knows? <laughs> Are you done? No, I'm almost done. Oh. I'm almost done. So here's the thing. I want to um, go so bad. I know, I know. Uh, so that's all due to sort of the writing. Like, the, the movie isn't terribly well directed either. 
watching it this time, it reminded me of a pilot for a syndicated TV series. That's right. Like, that's the style. Everything is pretty basic, like it was shot for coverage, which I assume it was, given how small the budget and uh, how pressed for time the production was. There was no B-unit director. Yeah, that's right. That's true. There was was no uh, secondary unit, yeah. Yeah. so, I mean, some of the costumes and character and makeup designs are okay, but, I mean, the set design feels really generic. Um, the Castle Grayskull set is actually a very large set that took up the two whole sound stages. The largest set that been in Hollywood for a long time. Yeah, it, it took up two whole sound stages. But the problem is, like, it's just not very interesting. Nope. I mean, it's big, but it looks like it looks like something left over from an old Republic serial, you know, and, and one of the mm-hmm. ones nobody remembers, not one of the memorable ones. And and the Earth stuff feels like it was shot on a back lot after the last tour group left, which is funny because a lot of it was actually shot on location. But it doesn't yep. look that way. It looks like it was shot in like a studio no. back lot. Um, so, I mean, what, what this material desperately needed is a writer and a director with a sense of humor, someone who who got how this is silly material and needs to be allowed to play that way. Um, it's this is all very silly stuff. And if it was presented with a bit more of a wink, a little bit more tongue-in-cheek, this could have been a good movie. As it is, it's mostly just uncreative and dull. He-Man swings his sword. Kevin has this weird thing where he is repeatedly telling Detective Lubick that this is real. Like, he does that at least twice. Yeah, this, this is, is real. real. Like, Lubick will say something sarcastic, and Kevin will turn on him and be like, this is real, Lubick. Okay, Jesus, sorry. Um, and, and Skeletor doesn't ham it up nearly enough. Nope. Unt- until, ironically, that post-credits teaser for a sequel that didn't happen. In those uh-huh. few seconds, Langella's Skeletor, with he gets this wild-eyed, like, wicked grimace on his face and goes, I'll be back! Like, he's just swinging for the fences. Um, and that, in those few seconds, he actually comes to life and shows us a glimpse of this over-the-top camp scenery-chewing supervillain that might have been, but now will never be. And, and that's too bad, because a movie with that Skeletor might have been fun, um, but not this movie. So anyway, that's it. I'm done. It's your turn, my friend. You better leave now. <laughs> I can take it. I can take it. I know you. You can take it. Okay. Um, this movie sucks top to bottom, back and forth. <laughs> I'll support what he said. There's no imagination. There's no creativity. There's no sense of scale. Um, And all of this boils down to Mattel choosing the wrong production company. First off, they went to Canon, and Canon was going to have to put talented people and pay them enough in order to make this work. The script had gone through so many changes, and they finally settled on a script that was decided by how much money they were willing to spend. There are questions about how much money was sunk into this movie, and where it all went. We're not <laughs> sure. But budget, this is one of the first movies I've ever seen where budget dictated everything that was going to go, what was going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Hey, why are we starting in the middle of a story already, budget? Hey, how come it's not always set on Eternia, budget? <laughs> Hey, how come Skeletor only has, like, five Darth Vader armor guys, budget? Why is it now on Earth, budget? Why are there so many TV actors, budget? Why are the special effects... Oh, wait, is it budget? Yeah, it's budget. Any question that you have in regards to this movie boils down to budget. There might have been a really good script floating around at some point, 
But Budget came along and said, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. Anything imaginative that would cost money, Budget. Those cosmic keys, they made three of them, and they were so fragile that uh, they had handlers come in and take them out of Billy Barty's hand every time he grabbed it. There was probably some poor producer on the side peeing his pants with his hands up to his mouth every time they had to use the fucking thing. <laughs> don't break it, don't break it, don't break it, don't break it. <laughs> Budget dictated how this movie was going to be, and it gutted the movie. Okay? It's weird how, what a budget can do. They were like, okay, we, we need to set it on Earth. Okay, so get them on Earth. That's gonna, if we introduce a whole bunch of Earth characters, it's going to cut into character development for the other characters. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. Okay, well, we found a town where we're going to shoot it. Great, we're only doing night shoots. What? <laughs> oh, we're going to do night shoots. That's it. It's cheaper. Oh, okay, okay, great. So we're just doing night shoots, so all this takes place in one night? I don't know. Yeah, just make sure that we, we fall, it, it, it falls under budget. I have no, I have no doubt in my mind that Mattel would have gone along with anything had it been set on Eternia, and that, you know, He-Man's mom was from Earth, and it would had all this stuff and all these special effects and magic and, and you know, here's the thing, the He-Man cartoon show is not epic. No. Usually, in every episode, it's like five guys. Whatever toy was coming out that week would be like the featured bad guy. Maybe Skeletor would be in it. And usually it's just about five or six people involved in any given storyline. They could have kept the whole thing on Eternia and just had a much smaller cast. But instead, what we got because of the budget was a story where the bad guys already got what they wanted and were supposed to start caring about He-Man, Man-at-Arms, and Tila, and they never give us a chance to do it. Now... Steve was an easy mark because he already knew who these characters were going in. Nobody else did. And how many seven-year-olds ran back to school and told their friends and their parents went, no, uh, Siskel and Eber just gave it two thumbs down. They hated this shit. <laughs> Siskel and Eber threw up during their review. If you think I'm spending 106 minutes watching garbage on the screen, no. Maybe we'll rent it for your birthday when it comes out on VHS in three years. If, if it comes out on VHS in three years. <laughs> Canon didn't make big-budget films, and they were asked to make a big-budget film, and it went into their production costs. They were already paying for the rights to utilize the characters from Mattel. And then they had to do, you know, they had to, they had to spend more, even more money to hopefully make it back. But, I mean, this looks like every other Canon movie. Cheap garbage. It doesn't feel like a whole lot of thought and time and effort went into this because none did. The stuff that were thought and time and effort went into the script, it got thrown out. And we wound up with this garbage where they just throw things in to satisfy the kids. I'm sure a seven-year-old going, I have the power. They're like, yay! But to any other person watching it, it's like, why did he say that? What did that do? What does, what that, does that, that have to do with yeah. anything? I thought He-Man was just a dude. And now he's got power from somewhere? I don't know. Why are these two ancient enemies suddenly facing off? You know what the movie feels like? It feels like a sequel. 
Ooh. You have the first movie all on our Eternia and He-Man and Skeletor battle, but this back, back and forth, blah blah blah. Maybe the cosmic keys in there somewhere, and then the last shot after the credits is a hand picking up the cosmic key, and it's Skeletor, and you're like, oh no! And then the sequel comes along, and then it makes sense that Skeletor is walking into Eternia, and then you have the time travel plot. Because that'll be different from the first movie. Because now that you know the characters from the first movie, you can put them in weirder situations. Right? So now they travel to Earth. And maybe you know, He-Man's mom will say, you can't go back to Earth, that's where from. Well, I'm going to have to go with you. Maybe have her be a character. Who knows? Who fucking knows? This feels like a sequel. A bad one. <laughs> a bad sequel. I hate it. I mean, I wanted it to be funny for Kitsch Value. It wasn't. I wanted to say, oh, well, you know... These people... No, it was just canon being fucking cheap. Yep. They should have known better when they picked up this property. Well, the kids are wondering, it's going to need to be imaginative and set on another planet and doing all that. They're like, no. We're going... We're going to basically pull this property down to our level. <laughs> and so it's not good. Don't, don't, guys. It's not so bad it's good. It's just bad. It's just boring and lifeless all He-Man does is shoot a gun because in all the canon films, that's all they do is shoot fucking guns. You have a shot of the characters running up, shooting a gun, reverse it to the people that they're shooting at. They're shooting guns back. That's all of their action sequences in a lot of their movies, and that's exactly what they brought into this. There's no time or effort spent on really good stunt work. Just guys you know, being vaulted over cardboard boxes or people falling over. <laughs> And that's about it. I wanted to like it. I kind of like Frank Langella, but since he had nothing to work with yeah. and nowhere to go, his, his performance is meh. And that's it. I'm done. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> you're welcome, Thanks. buddy. I never oh, have to welcome. watch this ever again. It was fantastic to, not, to know that I don't have to watch this again. If oh, by the way, Steve, your He-Man and Masters of the Universe movie that's supposed to be supposedly coming out you're never gonna see it it's I, never gonna happen i, I read up right. on it they've had like 900 different writers and 700 different directors it's still up in the air it was supposed to come out last march it's not happening oh that, yeah I, I i so i didn't miss it no you didn't miss it no one missed it it's not getting made if it gets made at some point yay I don't know if there's going to be a dark and gritty one. I don't know if there's going to be a satire one. What I do know is that every time new people get assigned to it, they throw out the last script and they start on a new one. Goyer's not even attached to it anymore, I don't think. Well, at least so that's good breathe, news. Breeze a thigh, a, a thigh, a sigh of relief <laughs> because I don't think it's happening. <sighs> okay, Steve, now it's time for you to recommend a film. Go yes. do it. Recommend a film, please, please. I will. I will. You know, there's a movie that, that, that Masters... Of, and by the way, if you ever do decide that you want to watch it again, I, I have it on DVD. I'd be happy to let you borrow it. Um, Only if people... That's a date thing, dude. Unless, <laughs> unless I'm getting a reach around after, there's no fucking way I'm watching this goddamn movie. Anyway, there's a, there's there's a movie that I thought about uh, as I we was. We could do that while watching He-Man getting whipped. <laughs> oh, that's the stuff. <laughs> Added it into a loop. It just keeps going. Or or when uh when Dolph Lundgren does that Stallone yell when he's like doing action <laughs> sequences when he's like <laughs> 
I'm like, seriously, is he doing Stallone? Because that's totally what Stallone would do when he's like running away yeah. from an explosion in a movie and he, they do the slow-mo and he's got that Stallone look on his face and he's like, oh! <laughs> that's, that was not the face. I just saw Steve's face doing it and he looked like a very angry beaver <laughs> who wanted to punch me. That's like, or well, I was, I was, I was unconsciously doing David Hasselhoff action face. No, there you go. Because he he gets the beaver look when he's doing action stuff. Yes, he does. Um, it's like, why is he showing me his front teeth? Is that what he is that what he thinks an action movie does? An action star does? Um, but no. So I, I thought about a movie, one particular movie, while I was watching Masters of the Universe this time around, and it's a movie that it's it's not what I would call a good movie, but it's a much better movie and a much more enjoyable movie to watch than Masters of the Universe because it gets more of, of the kind of a tone that I think this mm. material needs, which is kind of arch, kind of camp, kind of like, hey, everybody, we know that this is silly, right? We kind of want you to laugh along with us at this. Like, we get it, right? This is desperately in need in this movie. And that movie, of course, is Flash Gordon. I love Flash from- 1980, uh, which is is everything, especially tonally, is everything that Masters of the Universe is not. It yep. it embraces the silliness, it embraces the goofiness, it has a, a wonderful sense of fun and over the top, and you know it's it, it's 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 what this Masters of the Universe movie, or really any He Man movie. Uh-huh. needs in order to work like I, I have I have maintained and I Jason you and I have talked about this before um, I don't know if we mentioned it the last when we did the animated He-Man movie a couple years ago or if we've just talked about it in private but like yeah. to me for He-Man to work you need to have Prince Adam and He-Man look exactly the same and nobody else in the movie ever notices it uh-huh. like that's the goofy detail that, that tells the audience okay this is what this is not you know, that it so, matters, because the only person that doesn't know that he's He-Man is Tila. Well, <laughs> well his parents don't know. No, the, his the parents king, know. The king and, and the so queen does... don't know. The king and the queen don't know that he's He-Man. Yeah, they do, don't No, they, they don't. No, they don't. Man at Arms know. What does the opening narration say? Only three I, others I share the secret. Our friends, Man at Arms, the Sorceress, have... and Orko. Okay. Well, I'm but glad anyway, I don't know that. I'm sorry I had to school you on He-Man, but I, I you know. Hooray for me. But anyway, but, but anyway, the Flash Gordon movie is has that same sort of tone, where it's like, you know, it, we're going to show you things that we know are stupid, that we know mm-hmm. are silly. We're, yeah. We want you to have fun. We want you to laugh at it. We want you to have a good time. And, and, and that is the tone that I think is right for that material. So, yeah, the Flash Gordon movie. Uh, from 1980, it uh, has, of course, the legendary Queen soundtrack, um, Sam Jones as Flash, and also, of course, Max von Sydow is in it, and uh, Timothy Dalton, and uh-huh. it's just, it's, a, it's a, a big, dumb, fun movie, and it's, 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 a, it's a blast to watch, yep. and if you are looking for a movie like Masters of the Universe, but you want it to actually be good, I would recommend, instead of watching Masters you of the Universe... You want to spend some money on it. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend you that instead of watching Masters of the Universe, you watch Flash Gordon instead because it's it's a it's a much better movie, and I think you will probably have a much better time watching it. So there you go. Okay, my turn. As you guys know, I like to recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's nineteen whatever the fuck nineteen eighty seven, and the movie that I'm going to recommend is Harry and the Hendersons. Great. Go, go see it. It's sappy and makes you cry, and John Lithgow's in it, and there's a great big hairy, hairy gentle giant Sasquatch that you feel real bad for at the end when he has to hit him. 
to get send him away before the evil French poacher gets him. It's great. Yeah, I just for gave his away own the good. Who cares? It's a great. It's a great movie, and I love it. And the TV show sucked. So go watch Harry and the Henderson. It's about a Bigfoot. Do I have to say anything else? No, right? It's about it's a, so. So it's about a, it's about a giant truck. I hate you. So we're now going to. So we're not doing it. We're not having to do a choice, Steve. That's right, because next time is your month. birthday, buddy. And unlike you, I like choosing good movies, Aww. or at least movies that Steve's indifferent about or admires <laughs> what went into them, but doesn't really like them personally, or comes up with some shit like, well, if I had been a stupid 14-year-old like you when I first saw this movie, I'd like it too. If I had been a pubescent teen and my brain was drowning in my own jizz the first time I saw this... <laughs> but. This is one of my favorite movies of all time, and unfortunately it is not considered a classic, but I have a sneaking suspicion Steve has seen it, and I hopefully he likes it, because I can't take this anymore. <laughs> anyway, the movie that we're going to watch for my birthday is a little film by David Byrne, and it's called True Stories. Ooh, interesting. So if you guys want to get all the jokes or get real confused, watch True Stories before the next time that we drop one of these fucking things on the air. I have a migraine. Aww. I don't feel good. Oh. Wait, I'm not done. <gasps> hey, guys. You're not? So we've been self-indulgent, giving ourselves birthday presents in the form of, well, I mean, I, I had to say present because what else am I going to... Steve gave me a box full of shit and said, happy, happy birthday to me, and I'm like, happy great. Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to do movies that we wanted to see, and now it's time for you guys to tell us a movie that you want to see because it's going to be viewer's choice soon. Long-time listeners, you know what to do. If you're a Patreon patron, go to Patreon and put your vote in for the movie that you want to see. We will select one from that, either uh, the one that gets the most votes or a random selection from the stuff that you guys send in. The more selections you have, the greater the chance, the greater the chance that we're going to get something different. And remember, guys, you don't have to follow our rules. If you say, I want you... To review the Black Widow movie, we'll go. How can we do that? It's not it's out. It's not yet. out. <laughs> That's right. If you want us to review a, a rare, you know, obscure movie, you can ask for that. If you want us to review a popular film that's relatively recent, we'll do that. It's whatever gets selected, but we need you guys to send in your requested viewer's choice. So. Please do it. Go to Patreon. Go to the wherever. What is it? To go to patreon.com slash listen if you have not become a Patreon patron. And become one. It's only a dollar a month. It's good. It's what keeps us on the air. It's the only thing that binds me and Steve together in friendship is money that I don't give him. Exactly. And, so <laughs> and, and hey, that'll, if, that's, if that's what's keeping you from pledging, just remember, I don't see a dime of that money. He don't. He makes money off me in other ways. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> Anyway, that's it. Thank you guys for coming in for Steve's birthday. He really liked his present. <laughs> for late seating, this has been Jason Harding, and see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives, and you know I've been thinking a lot about what uh, my new principal said on the first day of school in elementary school. Those who do not pledge themselves to me shall be destroyed. The new age begins. You've had a fucked up life, haven't you, little man? That was Mr. Bowers. That was Mr. Bowers. He said I, that yeah. on the first day of school. Yeah, I loved him. Did someone wrestle him to the ground and put a popsicle stick in his mouth? Oh, no. Well, somebody tried, but Mr. Bowers killed them. 
What, during what, assembly? During an assembly, yeah. yeah. Oh, great. And then, how and, did he do it? How did he do it? Yeah, how did he do it? Oh, well, he took the popsicle out of out of the guy's hand, and he broke it, and then he, he just stabbed him to death with the sharp end of the, of the popsicle stick. Oh, that's... Well, you know, when my principal killed somebody, uh-huh. I mean, he made a show of it. He got the lunch ladies to get the biggest pot, filled it with oil, and then he french fried the guy, but only halfway. Guess which half? The bottom half? The left half, the, you oh, weirdo. Oh, oh, <laughs> Sorry. Of course, he went straight to the genitals. We don't know what genitals were. We're I was in fifth grade. Ah, uh, you're right. We went, I, oh, no, his pee-pee. No, he did it halfway because then he became like a two-faced character. Oh, nice. I so think then, he wanted him to live as an example, but that was not happening. So so the plan was to have him like kind of stick around the school? Well, he did put corn dog batter on him uh, before he fried him. Okay, so he was going to eat him. Yeah. Or it was more then, of like a humiliation thing, maybe. I don't think he was going to eat him. He did disappear, though, and then we had corn dogs every day the next week. Were they good? They were delicious. Well, I like and a happy ending. They filled me with power. I, I, like, I like a story with a happy ending. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. I have the power now. I have the power. <laughs> I love you say they filled you with power. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Let Me Listen. And thanks for listening.